Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third episode of ID Podcast. And today we have again three guests with me. So, uh, like last time, we have here um, Fiona with us. Hello, Fiona. Welcome. Hello. We have uh, Mr. Gaming with us, uh, Adam Doyle. Hello, so, Roger. Uh, welcome, Adam. Um, yeah. So, shout out to Darren Cook because he always likes when I say Mr. <laughs> gaming to you. So, uh, there's that. And we've got um, Anna Dillov with us, who is um, a very experienced person in the gaming sector already 16 years in Hello. the game. Hello, yes, welcome. I think it's even 16 years today. Ooh. Well, there you go. Thing, so, 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 um, so happy gaming anniversary, I would say, right? So, <laughs> so uh, I mean, we're in the middle of the Responsible Gambling Week. And um, for today, uh, what I want to talk about, what we want to talk about is essentially um, affordability. Um, so how do we... Um, uh, you know, flag certain people. Um, how do we make sure that the right people play um, when when they are able to play? And obviously, when the let's say you know problem gamblers, how how do we uh, you know exactly stop that? So, um, and and in a way, obviously, again with responsible gambling, there's you know certain things that have been brought up. Obviously, there was a lot of uh, kind of um, reports about gambling in the past weeks, uh, mostly very negative. Um, due to some of the coverage, so um, but obviously the industry is always trying to improve, um, trying to be better. So I guess the first question to to all of you, and um, I'm going to start with you, Adam, because um, I guess with what, obviously the company right now, True Narrative, um, I know that you guys are doing uh, some uh, you know very innovative things, uh, you know very good things to 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 make the lives of operators easier, and obviously you know Anders here to to I guess represent that kind of view of an of an operator. So. Um, um, you know, effectively, how can we make an operator's life easier with the technology that we have? And what does an operator obviously have to go for? I mean, I saw this morning there was an article released that you obviously wrote or a blog. Yeah. Uh, and, and you obviously, you know, went into some of those things. So, I mean, in your opinion, what, what is kind of the state right now? Yeah, so I think there's a mixture of things. You know, some of the stuff I think we really need to go back uh, to the beginning, uh, some of the operators that you talk to, you know, it's full understanding their policy and procedures. Some of them are not documented. You know, when you see some of the fines that are out there at the moment, uh, a lot of it might be human error, and they might not have some of the sort of the basic systems in place of, okay, we've had this customer for three years, how much money have they actually spent over the last three years? So I, I think some of the challenges are where they might be on the old sort of legacy platforms. Um, for them to make any simple changes like this, it could be a lot of technical work, it can be a lot of, you know, sort of a cost itself. So that's where I think where you're seeing a lot of the new players in the market, a lot of these are very uh, up to date on where people are up to purely because they've got newer systems. So I think the, the legacy platform providers and the legacy operators, I think they're the ones who have the biggest challenge because it really is an overhaul of going back to the start. And Anna, 16 years, you know, you've seen how it started and where it's, where yeah. it's gone now. Absolutely. The, the, the newer, more modern companies that have come out of Europe, I think, have embraced technology, um, newer technology that enables them to analyse behaviours of players um, much more readily than, as you say, those older businesses that have, have adapted um, technologies that they've been using for a long time. Um, it's certainly a difficult thing to do is to take a old technology and upgrade it to the newest technology. It's almost impossible in some areas. And I guess it obviously, you know, again, with obviously, you know, mergers and acquisitions, that, that obviously becomes 
Absolutely. Um, uh, uh, problem. And then also yeah. what we have to think of is obviously the kind of, uh, you know, cross-country regulation, yeah. right? Mm. Because in the UK, there are certain rules. Uh, then you have, you know, Scandinavia with different rules. You have Benelux yeah. with different rules, etc. Yeah. So um, I guess, uh, I mean, so, so from an operator's point of view, I mean, h- how long um, do you sometimes, you know, spend in the office to, you know, go on exactly these these things um, to, to kind of work out. Well, you, you mentioned mergers and acquisitions there. I mean, you can see that the consolidation in the marketplace that's been taking place over the last probably even up to 10 years, slowly but surely, and bringing that brings so many challenges to an operator mm-hmm. to bring those technologies together that you'll find even um, where there's multi-jurisdictional stuff coming together Mm. they're still separated from a technical perspective and trying to bring those technologies together is is very difficult Mm -hmm. when there are bigger issues for the wider organization to bring their um email systems together for example Mm -hmm. you know where where is the internal priority is not necessarily at the point where you're talking about affordability checks you know it's much more (laughs) much more dealing with bringing organizations together rather than the underlying technology that tends to take longer um, for the businesses to choose which which platform did they prefer, which one's going to work the best going forward, you know, which one targets which markets, do we need to keep things separate, do we need to bring them together, how do we holistically look at our operations. And when they've got five or six different brands in a single country, you're then having to bring <laughs> Even a worse. single customer view, which again yeah. on the older platforms, for them, it, you know, it, it's impossible. Yeah. Some of them are having to, you know, it's all about getting manpower. Some of them have got 15, 16 staff that are really sitting there and they're going through all the transactions. You know, if you look at some of the operators that are doing 100,000 100, plus deposits and withdrawals a month, they're only really looking at the top end of the funnel because it's a risk-based decision of, we believe that this is this is our risk, yes. but what about the bottom ones? That could be where the higher risk is. It could be a fraud ring has got in there, or it could be people who have won a, a significant amount of money at the start, and they're at the bottom, so they're not asking to really deposit anything, but they're actually getting their, their habit of, of gambling in now. So Yeah, and chasing losses, and yeah. obviously then obviously losing the money. So, so I guess with, with obviously, I you know, I mean, some of the parts of, of I guess, uh, I guess, you know, true narrative is not, known to 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 everybody because i I mean you only just started uh around beginning of this or mid this year yeah so the business itself is three years old but i've been in this role for five five months now yeah so so i think we both started at the same time a new company so um but but I mean, essentially, with, with obviously on true narrative, what, what you guys are doing essentially are bringing everything together, right? So, um, but uh, also on another side, I guess what what you know Anna just said is very difficult to to bring your know, technologies together. So, what what do you guys do that you know some people might not do when when there's you know problems like that where where you bring in obviously let's say you know you have a you have a solution for um, let's say you know the data you have a solution for uh, transaction monitoring um, etc. So so, um, so how do you like kind of bring all this together? Yeah, so we're we're a decision engine uh, that's covering risk fraud transactional AML um, and where we have uh, the beauty of our services via the single API. Currently, we have forty nine third party providers built in there. We can also deal with the onboarding process, but we also deal with the ongoing process, so the life cycle. So, uh, I'm, as everyone always laughs when I say this, I'm a keen gambler myself. I've been a gambler longer than I've been in this industry. Um, and it's it, it's having the ability to, when this person's been on for two, three years, understanding them, having a better picture. 
Um, so me and Anna were talking before. I think there's 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 a thing where we have to educate our staff, ourselves, so when they're on the phone to the customers, it's not being very much, oh, oh excuse me, can I have your passport, please? And very, It should be, uh, hi, we need your documents, and the reason for this is because in this industry we have to ensure that people are doing things responsibility, and this is why we're doing it. Uh, so I think the staff need to be educated, uh, but also the players. You know, I understand it because I'm a gambler and I'm in this industry, but there's so many people, they don't understand why people are asking for it. We're asking you this because there are people who, unlike you, don't know how to manage their finances and we're having to do this to ensure that everything is working correctly. So I think it's an education on the operator side and um, staff, but also I think there has to be an education process for, for players. If you look at Sweden, in Sweden, open banking, that is, that's business as usual. Everyone expects it. But in the UK market, operators are scared to adopt it because they believe so many people will fall off because they're like, hold on a minute, I came on here to gamble. Now I've been asked to log into my bank accounts. So again, I think it's as a business, uh, I think operators probably need to come together and say, right, we need to enforce this over the board. And then it's got to be whether you're on one website or the other one, you're seeing this as a standard process. So, so Fiona, do you think this this uh, this let's say it should be done better via via regulation example that would just like have like one guideline says uh, you know you have to do this with a customer rather than have different triggers and obviously then it's open for interpretation with 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 the single operator so so do you think it would be easier if let's say it would all all come together like adam said um, including the including the regulators to just make make the lives easier for everybody essentially i think you just see different things from different regulators don't you so like you look at germany and i think it's like you can spend up to a thousand pound a month isn't it and then you've got to justify what you're doing and you could say actually from a responsible gaming point of view that's probably a very healthy thing then you look at spain and they take all the data in every night and that the regulator sees the the wins and the losses across the entire market and again you would argue that's a very responsible thing to do yeah. f from from the regulator regulator point of view um i think when you sit in conferences with operators they all say they'd like a bit more guidance around um the framework there is quite a lot of guidance around the framework already that hasn't in the past been overly adhered to and now they are start you know the operators are starting to be more on it because of you know it's a, the market's evolved do we want more rigorous uh, regulation I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. There's been some discussions recently around whether um, the, the Gambling Commission, for example, should be more rules-based rather than the guidance-based. Um, a lot of the operators have been asking for more specific prescriptive uh, regulation, but the Gambling Commission... In, is is basically saying that's not the way they're going to do it. They don't want to be prescriptive. They, want the tick box, don't they? they, they, they want to allow. Tick, 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 done. That's what an operator yeah. wants because it's easy. And then you can say, well, I did exactly that just because this didn't quite work. I've done what I was supposed to do. Whereas the regulator wants you to to encompass all of those things. Mm -hmm. um, I do think there's scope to communicate better with the regulators and ask more opinion they won't they won't give you um advice as it were but they they will give you an understanding whether what you're trying to do is within the bounds of what their expectations are so you know there is more scope i think um some smaller operators are 
uh, wary of talking directly to the regulator or asking questions directly to the regulator. Maybe there should be more uh, scope for for conversation through a, a trade body or whatever it is. You know, there there are there are more options. I don't know that going completely down the prescriptive route is the right way because then you're taking out some competitive edge as well. I think we probably need to sit down as well as, as suppliers ourselves. We probably need to sit down with the regulators and explain to them fully what's out there. So I know operators, they're always trying to do something with as uh, little friction as possible. But you know what? It's always going to be a manual process. Yes, yeah, indeed. So I yeah. think it's mm-hmm. it, it's getting the fine lines of, right, uh, we can do this automatically. So we, you know, at True Narrative, we have the thresholds. We can put this in. So if someone's done over X amount of uh, um, deposits, we can automatically put them onto PEPs and sanctions ongoing monitoring. Or when it hits this level, we ask for documents. But the challenges that we have is that if you look in the likes of the credit reference agencies, they can only give operators a certain amount of information, and that's because they're not insight lenders. So maybe we need to speak with the financial services regulators and say, right, gambling, there, there are issues there. There are people who are losing a significant amount of money. So maybe you need to open it up like, a, you know, if uh, treat them like they were given a loan or if they were a bank, you know, they have to have this information and it has to be shared because it's not being used frivolously. It's being used to support the players and ensure that they're yeah. not. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I said it last time and it, and it was a obviously funny example, but I think it's an all day example, you know, because in the after day, a guy could say, okay, my income per year is £100,000, right? But you don't know if he has five cars on finance, right? So, so and, and then it's obviously yeah. that where I guess we need really, really more input from financial services where they say um, it, it doesn't even have to be the details of what the loan is for, but it would be good to know mm. um, this person has X amount of loans of this value. So obviously then as a as an operator you can see mm, okay this this you know this person might have a high income but i cannot treat him as a vip let's say mm. and he falls into a category where he should be you know limited to a certain amount per month and uh, and i guess that's obviously one of the huge things in the uk or in in the whole of the world i guess that needs to be like just you know made simple i mean you know in sweden an example is obviously like a given you know that uh, that this is possible and and it's like you said, an you know educational piece where we just have to all us as suppliers, as obviously operators, you know, come together and maybe discuss on a, on a wider scale. Uh, okay, what actually makes sense, right? Because in the after day, I mean, you know, I guess for you, Anna, it's it's obviously you know a massive <laughs> headache to to mm-hmm. adhere to some of the regulation but then there is obviously restrictions in the, the in the data that you can get right yes yeah, quite a quite a big balancing act i think across the board but one of the things i'd like to see though is is more empowerment of players where where is where's the player empowerment in all of this you know, adam and i were talking earlier on um about the use of apps and and things that that you on a day-to-day basis with your phone in front of you has access to all sorts of information. You know, you've got your Fitbit that's telling you, yes, you've hit your target of your steps or, you know, of your sleep or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and uh, enables you to adjust things. Mm -hmm. Perhaps having something more around um, that type of data empowerment 
to an individual player that shows them that actually it's not just last night I spent 10 quid and Friday night I spent 20 quid. It's actually over the course of a month, you've spent 150 quid. Yeah, and, Do you and know where you're same. paying them, uh, play, where you've paid that money and, and, you know, giving you the capability to take it into your own hands and say, actually, that's a bit too much for me. I really want to bring that back. And putting it, putting it into um, the sense of, well, you know, 50 quid equals a new pair of shoes or something more um, practical that you can understand as an individual. I think one of the main things that we were talking on the affordability it was having tailored interactions with the customers. Mm. So very similar to that, you know, it, it should be, you know, when I've done a deposit, obviously my wife's listened to this, so when I've spent £20 <laughs> for the year, um, there should be a notification that the customer receives saying, you know, just to, we're not telling you that don't, but just to let you know, you have now spent this amount and... You know, it's it, it's simple things. I think operators are scared to have conversations mm. with the players. Do you know what? I quite enjoy it when I get a message of things like that. I think it's good. It keeps the it keeps the customer. That yeah. tells us you're definitely <laughs> not spending twenty quid. Yeah, and it keeps the reminders in, right? Yeah. So, so, so I mean, I think you know because I think and and, and again, it's I guess uh, you know a shout out to a company. But I think since I moved to the UK, I've been uh, you know. Um, Having having to put like a quick ten on on a game like there or uh, or this right so with Skybet it shows you um, yes. that these are your these are your wins and these are your losses but other brands are available but, yes. <laughs> but you know I mean just an exa um, uh, example but for me as a player and this is like an advice I guess to to obviously um, um, to obviously those guys is just just make it more prominent uh, you, you know I would mind as a player to be reminded oh actually. It's not just a quick tenner that I spend. Is it was actually like five or six quick tenors that I spend in the last fourteen that's days, right? So, yeah, you know. that's the key. But I think that there's other things. So what you mentioned there with where there's operators that are showing the profit and loss. When you look at sort of let's say thresholds and events, if I've gone on the first time and I've deposited twenty pounds and I win fifty thousand mm pounds, -hmm. right? Some people won't actually do any further interactions with the customer until I've lost my whole fifty thousand. Mm. At that point, I've got a serious gambling issue because I've been constantly trying to win, win, win. Yeah. And I think that's where the sort of the clarity has to come across the industry of, okay, we, we need to put these things. And again, I think I think it goes to the point of having tailored interactions, whether they've won or lost a certain amount. It should be when it's come to certain stages. We need to do this. We need to check in with them. If someone's gambling at one o'clock in the morning, maybe a message goes up just directing them to the sort of their GamStop or GamCare saying, uh, and it could be the page that's saying, do you know that gambling late at night and with alcohol, it's probably not the best mix. Yeah. So just a little, it's, it's a yeah, little also simple. Like a, it's a very difficult one to call though. Because it is. From an operator's <laughs> perspective, yeah. ultimately you're yeah. there to make money. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you want to do that in the most responsible and, yeah. and safe way as possible. Um, taking care of your players um, because that's that's what your business relies on. Um, so companies don't want to interact too much with yep. their players because there is a lot of choice out there. You know, if I'm getting if I'm getting prodded every Saturday night when I'm playing, then maybe I'll play somewhere else. I don't really want that. It's about how do you interact yeah. Yeah, yeah. with those yeah. players yeah. in it's a fine, way it's that a fine, is, yeah. it's a fine, fine balance. Yeah. Because yeah. It's a fine line and there's obviously a balance because, again, we as humans, not everyone is the same, right? And, and we react to different messages in a different way. Yeah. But I think if, I, if an example, let's say, right? So 
my uh, my daughter was up late at night because she didn't sleep or whatever, and I just you know get up and I would you know do a bet, an example at like one thirty, and there would be a message coming up, um, Roger, why don't you go to sleep? And I was like, uh, oh well, yeah, 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 you know. So I guess you know again, but it's very it's very difficult. But but I think if we again, I think goes to the education of. Of, yeah. uh, of the players of the yes. market right to, yeah. to uh, why do we do these things and I think if we if we all I mean e- even the commission would you know openly let's say you know you know put out these points to the public I think people would understand more but but again the UK is I guess a very special nation with betting because it goes back but, hundreds of years before records even started gambling isn't it yeah but maybe th- maybe the industry can come together like they did with the advertising ban and they can come together because you know we are it is top heavy now we're the bigger operators control quite a lot of the market those guys could come together and say we all agree that this is going to be the common theme that we're going to have in how we interact when we interact so that it's all coming from the same place Mm -hmm. because the challenge is you know operator b doesn't do want to do what operator a isn't going to do it's going to give them a competitive advantage so if they can all agree on standard process yeah and then actually that that's impressive because the regulator can see that they're taking into their own hands Mm -hmm. you know how they can direct and Mm. they're in control of what's going on rather than if something isn't done they're gonna it's going to be forced upon them I think that's what the commission is looking for. Yeah, you know, they're they're looking for um, the operators in the market to come together and and work out how to do these things. Um, it's still very early in that process, though, and you know, there's lots of research out there about harms and and this kind of stuff. But the commission is still wanting industry to tell it how it's going to manage it, but the industry hasn't yet done enough work across the board to be able to come together. There are some companies that obviously have done on their own player bases um, and are willing to share, but not all operators are. Um, so I think we're still quite in the early stages yeah. of that. I think there was a working group for the open banking thing. Yeah, and there's a, there's a business out there at the moment, Be Better. Uh, and mm. that's what they're very much shocking around. They're trying to sort of do it. Free advertisement. There you go, Harry. So, yeah, and they're, they're trying to do the same thing where it's it's sharing the information there. Because I think the main things that the, the regulators talk about, it's, it's understanding the difference between the disposable income and the discretionary income. Yes. So the challenge is, if I've, you know... At, my wife lets me have £100 a, a month, <coughs> um, a week, sorry, let's say a week. <coughs> and do I save it up for the first three weeks? And then on the fourth week, I've got £400. So can I gamble that £400? Because I've been saving it all up. I think that's a challenge. And I think it definitely comes back to the points of, with the financial businesses, letting it be side, like an inside lender, letting them have the information. Yeah, because correct. otherwise, we're going to be talking about this in a know? few years' time if no one's ever going to fully understand it. Yeah, and I think and I think this this kind of, let's say, you know, challenge or issue or idea or whatever you might call it um, from, from whichever perspective you're looking at, I think I think the problem with this is that it, it's a really big kind of, uh, you know, thing because I think we talked about in the first episode where, where I said... Why? Why don't we give the power to to the people? Uh, like, let's say, let let them decide, you know, which data they want to share, and let this be available. So, so make it like mandatory, right? So, let's say, if you wanna if you wanna gamble with me, I need this, this, and this from you, right? So, so it's very simple. Then the customer ticks. Okay, you can have this data, you can have this data, and you can have this data. I think it should be technically. I mean, with the technology that is out there, this would be very easily 
uh, to manage because you can manage identities in a blockchain, as as an example. Or you can have like a let's say like an e-passport, like a, almost like you know something in your in your Apple wallet where you say, okay, here's my e-passport or whatever. Because in the end of the day, um, you, you know, we're obviously talking about real identities when we go to airports and fly out. Why shouldn't we have electronic identities to let's say prove to some business, let's say a retailer, when I want to buy a knife, I have to be over eighteen. So obviously, I have to prove that. And again. I think it's that's, that's all I fine guess, so. for for when it, you know your your millennials and those that have grown up with this type yeah. of technology. But if you think about the sixty five, seventy year old um, people who play lottery subscriptions or whatever it is, yeah. you know they have no clue about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, just asking them for a passport or proof of their bank statement, you know, you can find that people people trying to use the same bank account, husband and wife have been, you know, betting every every week for the last 25 years yeah. on the lottery. You know, that's their thing and it's yeah. just automatic. Yeah. Trying to ask them to change their processes mm -hmm. is very difficult. So I think you have to... Yes, we can come up with lots of ideas like this. Yeah, but there isn't but a solution there, for one thing. No, right, because yeah. the, there are big generational gaps in in how people yeah. manage technologies. Um, and I think uh, uh, again, a little bit of advertising, I guess, this time for myself is um, <laughs> with with um, obviously technology that is out there. It's obviously different now. What we have actually found out is that in Germany, because obviously in Germany it's mandatory to do video identification. Um, actually, like the 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 you know all the people the older generation they say oh this is this is you know so good because i'm actually interacting with someone face to face it's a real person on the yes. other end and yeah. they guide them through the process yes they need so, a lot more support it, it, indeed because otherwise they're gonna have to ring a carer if they want to open a i don't know a, you know mm -hmm. whatever account because they can't see properly or or, or they might not hear you in mm -hmm. the best way and that costs them money or it's obviously like you know they have to wait for that so so it's obviously like uh, uh, uh let's say on demand obviously you know in germany it's like i i guess a cultural thing that you know they want really that kind of face-to-face -face interaction i mean when you look at payments in germany still majority is cash payments um it's 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 obviously a different culture but i guess there needs to be you know, why don't we take a solution out of Germany? Why don't we take a solution out of Spain? Why don't we take a solution from all over countries to just, let's say, I guess, you know, to come up with a variety of things that, you know, the customer can choose, right, to, to make it better. I mean, I know, again, we're... An operator uh, only we're has talking, one small bucket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah. It, it's very much, a, you're making a choice to spend money now over the next two years, you yeah, know, to, to start adding something else and adding something else is, yeah. is very difficult to, to build that into the budget. Yeah. And, with, and with, with some of them, you can only get the data depending on where your offices are based. So, you know, you might actually be working in Germany, but you might not have an office in Germany, which means you can't get hold of certain information. Yeah, for yes, Germany. Yeah, yeah, correct. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, again, it goes into the, these political things yes, about, yeah. you, you know, how do we handle GDPR in that case? Obviously, with well, the this is it. You, you have to balance you have to balance other regulations on top of yeah, the correct. gambling yeah, regulations. Course, yeah. And whilst we have the, the European GDPR, it's GDPR that's been taken individually by each territory into mm -hmm. their own regulations. So it's not just taking GDPR. It's it, there's one interpretation in Germany, there's another interpretation in the UK, there's another same with AML. You know, they're they're not all the same. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you you've really got to start doing all sorts of you know, matrix management to work out what is the level that I can use 
that satisfies all of these things or I have to break my business into pieces and focus. That's how I'm going to deal with that market. That's how I'm going to deal with that market. Mm -hmm. So it's a difficult juggle and everything costs money. Yeah, we, we, we see a lot with, we work with a lot of the Maltese-based operators who have a license in UK, Nordics, mm -hmm. generally, Spain probably. Yeah. Um, I'm finding with a lot of them, they're having the same approach. So they're saying, right, well, I'm going to my AML approach fourth AML, fifth AML directive, yeah. because, you know, we, we haven't, we're not going to, we want one single system yeah. in. Yeah, absolutely. We want a piece of technology that's not going to break. And we're going to, we're going to do that, at that trigger and that, at that trigger. Because, and they all see that actually the regulations are becoming more in line. You know, we don't really like it, but the, they are becoming more in line with the UKGC. Some yeah. maybe, some not, but fundamentally, if you thought, stick with that path, yeah. you're not going to go wrong. And that's kind of what it's I'm the seeing. cheapest way to approach it from yeah. an operational perspective is to find find a good standard that suits the multiple jurisdictions that you're operating in. Um, at least you've got a little bit of leeway to drop down if you need to. Yeah. But yeah, if your sure. standard is is at the higher level, then it's much cheaper and easier operationally yeah. to stick to one set of rules and guidelines. Yeah, as long as you stay Yeah. Then again, yeah. exactly. <laughs> then again, obviously, you are giving up some of your competitive advantage yep. because um, you know those smaller businesses that are niche in one jurisdiction can drop certain things, yeah. uh, certain thresholds, or the way that they do things, and be more reactive to one particular market. Mm. So you might find that there there's more individual niche operations rather than. The, the multi the big multi jurisdictional you need a lot of resources to manage some of these things yeah I think so, some of the other stuff as well you know if we go back to the sort of the, the triggers and the thresholds you know I, I've spoke to hundreds of operators and everyone's got a different answer you know at what point do you ask for this at what point do you do this you'll hear people they might say I might do this at 50 pounds and then someone else oh I don't do that until 20,000 and you sort of like what is you know again does this need to be standardized they tend to ask us yes. what do you see as standard <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then we tell them and then they tell us and then we go Ooh. <laughs> yeah so I mean in terms of uh, then then you know because we obviously I guess are protecting you know customers it's mostly obviously you know UK well you know what we're talking about but mm. I mean, how hard is it for an operator to, you know, do all that on an international level to, to really uh, kind of say, okay, I'm, I'm not just going to, you know, protect the customers by obviously the, you know, the regulation I have in the example of the UK and maybe in, let's say, more more obviously, you know, exotic countries like how. Uh, and then again, we're obviously talking about, you know, because a company has to ask themselves, okay, how, how am I going to make a profit? How, how am I going to make the business work? Right. So yeah. how hard is it really to, let's say, to juggle in between in between those two? There things? is there is a real balance. Um, and from the regulatory perspective, the, the northern territories tend to be fairly similar mm -hmm. or the, the, the processes and requirements are fairly similar. And then the southern territories are fairly similar so you know you'll you'll find companies the the smaller smaller operator or medium size will focus on the nordics and the uk maybe yeah. and then others will be spain italy for example if you want to do all of those things you, you are looking at different approaches for, for yeah. different parts so not necessarily something completely different in each territory but in a group of territories okay. and ultimately 
you can only operate in the amount of territories where you can afford to operate. If you if you want to be in Romania, then you need to focus entirely on the Romanian culture, the way that they work, and um, and the language. If you want to work in in Italy, you have to do the same. You've got to balance your advertising regulations against your operational regulations. Then there are your responsible gambling regulations. There's an awful lot to balance. And I think the, the challenges that you have in a lot of these, sort of, let's say, newer or not newer countries, but newer uh, regulated countries, is yeah. a lot of this third party data. It comes from in-country. You know, if you look at South America, if you look at some place in Asia, the governments or the credit reference agencies have never shared this data before. So actually getting hold of the information to support the operator, it's very, very challenging. Now, I can remember going back probably about four or five years ago when um, we were trying to get uh, Chinese information. China um, regulators and governments, they don't want to share any information. So it really comes down to an operator. It's a challenge because there is no data out there. Yeah. So like from an AML point of view, it's very difficult to screen um, APAC type customers because the names are going to be in Mandarin. And so like as a supplier, we we work really hard to make sure we've got the name in Mandarin because otherwise, how can you screen in that country? Because there isn't a local proprietary supplier in that location. And we do a lot with Isle of Man facing licenses and see a lot of and like you just said, they're in pockets, so they'll be after the Philippines and Japan yeah. and yeah. da da da. And that's they'll specialise in that, but, yeah. and, but they're not going to then get mixed up with what's going on in Africa. Because yeah. yeah. if you're an African-facing operator, you, then you've got your own niche that you're managing, and you're not going to yes. success. You know, unless you're a super operator, like one of the big five, you're going to specialise in, in those cool yeah, countries. We we see on our side of things at True Narrative, we see it's very easy to sort of put the the thresholds and the events in there for us to put this and when accumulatives or when someone's been playing for this long that's the for us that's the very simple part and to a level there's a certain amount of data out there so you've got like peps and sanctions you've got documents you've got certain checks but then it goes to the sort of the higher levels of you need to carry out this this check and it just really comes to in those sort of countries it comes to manually and it comes to manually of picking the phone up we know in uh asia pack and that they don't really want to pick up a phone to a gambling operator because everyone's sort of worried and frowned upon it. They don't want to pass documents because they're scared that if they pass a document, the government will get hold of it and they'll find out that they're gambling and they're like, what's going to happen to me there? So everyone wants, I always I always say to people, it's like everyone's looking for the new Denmark because Denmark, you know, it went big and it went very quick. Everyone's looking for that new country. But when you're going into these new countries, whether it's South America, Asia, Pac, the data to support the businesses, it's, it's limited to either limited or non-existent. Yeah. yeah so obviously on, an, uh, I guess, operational grounds, you then uh, you then kind of think, well, actually, this will be an easy market. But then once you're in there, yep. you're like, <clears throat> oh, I, well, actually, I'm going to have to employ 50 more people to actually reach out to those people, right? So then it becomes a operational nightmare. And and, uh, and obviously, you know, then again, you might think, uh, I'll maybe leave that activity until next year or whatever, until it becomes clearer. I've, I've seen some businesses that are now having to get new offices because they've got 50 staff that are dealing with documents and customer care and things like that because it's a massively manual process for them. And obviously, you know, going back to, to I guess, your manual processes and uh, making an um, automatic. I mean, I just pulled up obviously the um, the kind of blog that you wrote, Adam, and um, and you're saying essentially in that that uh, you know there has to be, uh, uh, I guess, a change of thinking, and um, you know how do I um, identify problem gamblers and how do I identify VIP players? Because essentially, like you said before, you put a two pound bet on and you won fifty thousand yeah. pounds. 
you you keep on betting, you know, put a thousand pounds on here, two thousand pounds on there, and obviously it might flag up as okay, he's a he's a high roller, and I'm going to send him an incentive to keep playing. So, uh, how do we really, uh, how do do we make the lives of, I guess, operators then easier on? Um, on I, this I think, ground? and Alan will know just as well as me, being able to see the difference between a problem gambler and a VIP. It's always going to be a big challenge. Yeah. You know, you you can say they're so similar to what they're actually doing. It's and that's where it comes down to skill and yeah. experience, really, mm. of, of an education, yeah. staff education, of making sure that they they really can understand that there are differences first of all, um, and how to try and identify those differences, um, and what thresholds to look at. You know, it's. Uh, you normally find with a you know with a with a VIP their their bets are normally big. They're normally or it doesn't have to be big, but it'd be specific events. It'd be a football match or it'd be a horse race, and where where you have some of the problem gambler there. What's the next? What's the next race? What's the yeah. next football game? What's yeah. the next? And it's looking at that. You know they'll just bet across the line. And I think with uh, with operators they have to look at the behavioural side of things. Mm. So it's using it right. Well, when Adam started gambling, his main things were football and horse racing. But now, a year later, he's betting on anything. He's betting on casino. He's Now he's betting on, we can see that we're doing the virtual stuff. So he's now betting on the virtual stuff. It's looking at little patterns like that as yeah, well. Or like in the, in, uh, on, the, on the second um, volleyball league in, in, <laughs> yeah, uh, well, in exactly. I don't know, Mozambique or whatever, <laughs> yes. you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, yeah. it obviously like gets, it gets very McCarthy broad. Neil McCarthy said at the Malta event, AACRE event the other day, he, he said, people, product, provider, place. The person that's gambling, the product they're gambling on, the provider and what they're doing and the place. Now, I'm not sure if the place is where he's coming from or the IP address. I'm not quite sure with that. But like it's quite an easy sort of four or five things yeah. to remember when looking at your player and what they're doing. OK, but then how do you take that? For, I've got 100,000 players how do I decide which ones I'm going to look at? How do I build into my system something that gives me a list that is manageable to yeah. look at? Um, how do I funnel that into something um, that is manageable for someone someone with skill and experience to look particularly at an individual? Yeah. You know, you, you've got to have technologies in place to bring that funnel to a workable And well, that's why transaction is very easy because it's facts and figures, but yeah. when it comes to behavior... Yeah. So wouldn't so so, so let's say so. Uh, so wouldn't it be very simple? So let's say you have a pool of ten thousand players that might have a potential to be either problem gamma or VIP, right? Yes. So let's say if you would have a extra data source from let's say the CRAs or the banks themselves, wouldn't that kind of right away target really like let's say bring it down from ten thousand to maybe a thousand? Yeah, it could do. Could do. Um, it's yeah, it's a difficult one. I don't personally get too involved in the detail of mm. this. Um, my focus is more on the the licensing and and overall yeah, of course, regulation. Yeah. Um, but certainly, I can see from the teams that that I've worked with, customer services are very good at interacting with players, but they need support to identify which players yes, to interact yeah, with. Course, yeah. um, you know, payments and fraud teams are quite good at identifying potential issues but that's that's not just problem gambling that's also money laundering and fraud so you've got to find some method of triggering um a monitoring process so whether that's we're going to look at anyone that's had a, a win 
more than X amount. And we're going to look and see what those players have been doing with their winnings, whether they're taking them out or they're reinvesting and how much they're reinvesting. Or we're going to look at anyone who's depositing more than X amount on um, you know, Y basis. You, you, yeah, but that takes a, a long whole, time, it? Yeah, yeah, there's a whole variety of things yeah. that yeah. would yeah, so lead that's you what I mean, to so this goes yeah. back a list. To, yeah, the beginning of our conversation, which was about technology. Yeah. And, you know, I'm working with quite a few big operators at the moment that have, that have added new stuff over the last... And all when when you're in front of them, the conversation's all about technology. It's all about bringing systems together. And these systems are taking years to get in because these are complex businesses. But what these systems are going to give them is a, is a fundamental view of that customer. Yeah. You know, transaction, you know, deposit, withdrawal, play, you know, when they play in, what they play in, so that they've got this this system that can then fundamentally, when a trigger happens, it will end up on someone's desk. Yeah. Because when you get to the end of it, you still got to eyeball it. Absolutely. But it's managing and it's filtering out the stuff that you don't yes. need to eyeball. Yeah, correct. Because the risk stuff, you're going to have to. You still need that that human interaction. We just, we just built in the behavioral side of things. But the biggest challenge that you have is that data's got to be pushed out. So the transactional stuff, it's quite easy because you work at money going in and money going out. That's really simple. Yeah. But on our behavioral side, they're like, right, so you need to push. You've put a £20 bet in, then you've got to push every time I bet that £20. What am I betting it on? How's the money coming in? What time of day do I do it? And before you know it, you've, you know, there's yeah, a lot yeah. of information. That, of and then obviously, you've got terabytes of data. Yeah, there, right? and we so. also know in the gambling industry, everyone's scared of sharing information because you know they found out that you work with 20 different operators. Well, if I push this information, are the other operators seeing it? The answer is no. But there's always that insurance of yeah, absolutely, and then uh, and then obviously, I mean, uh, sorry, I mean, going to uh, I guess the part about you know technology where where you where where you said, you know, some of the solutions are um, are obviously you know, complex and stuff like that. So, I mean, first of all, let's go back to basics as to as technology suppliers. I mean, I know there is so some some very let's say more complicated setups that you have mm -hmm. to do like with true narrative because it goes obviously beyond one single let's say you know part of the business it, it it obviously you know grips into many different points i think as technology suppliers we or we all have to make sure that it's it's simple to integrate because if if i look at obviously you know solutions now that are in the market one uh, unfortunately like you know obviously like uh, let's say you know choosing like a technology and it's based most of the times on obviously you know accuracy what kind of conversion rates do i get and obviously the pricing. So, but then sometimes you get into technology suppliers that might say, oh yeah, they have the best price. You know, they have to, you know, they seem to be on the testing, seem to be amazing. But then once you integrated them, you're like kind of, uh, you know, and you, uh, and you talk delivers. six months, right? <laughs> and, uh, um, and, um, and it doesn't do the purpose. So, you know, so then obviously the problem is you spend about six months of technical resources on this project. So, and then it's then difficult to say, you know what, we're going to switch it out because yeah. then again, you're going to lose time because you, you know, obviously, and then there's like optimization phase, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess to some extent, if you switch providers, it might take 12 months to really, you know, you know have that in place. Right? Absolutely. So. And you've got to justify those costs and time yeah. scales to management mm -hmm. who, you know, from from a, a senior management perspective, you make a decision to change the technology. 
they've already assumed that it's in place now and they're on to the next thing. Um, you know, the, the struggles that it takes to actually implement something, particularly that's, that's complex with multiple system integrations, obviously, you know, you, you then run out of A, resources, B, money and C, time to do the next thing, you know, and, and management will be focused on um, a particular topic for a particular period of time, then they're on to the next thing, whether that be a new acquisition or a sale or, you know, new product or, or whatever, something where they're going to bring money into the business yeah. rather than sending money out of the business. I've always seen the biggest big challenge and competitor in the gambling space is technical resource. Yeah. Uh, and without plugging true narrative too much more, um, what we've done is we looked the other way. So with our single API, we've got the 49 third-party suppliers. So with that, once you're into the API, you can pick and choose. So you might, you, there might be peps and sanctions, there might be documents. And I think it's giving people that ability to pull stuff in quite simple because the technical resource, you, you're having challenges for projects internally. And trying so to it's get like a technical in. aggregator. It's, 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 it's suppose you can say it's a gateway, got, you can pick and choose. Yeah, like like you have the, the aggravators, uh, aggregators. Yes, to, for the content to, providers content exactly yes. whereby you know you've got these small businesses that are very good at making games just like this yeah. they make eight nine ten of those games but they don't have the resources to integrate to big operators and put the time and yeah. everything in so they integrate with an aggregator who then has you know 50 different suppliers now they've got a thousand two thousand different games yeah. um, and that does make it easier for operators to pull in new content much more quickly. So, you know, that that kind of model certainly has been proved from a content perspective. Why wouldn't that sort of yeah, model work from a technical perspective? You've got to make it as simple as possible because the other thing that you have is if you have six or seven different providers and you have six or seven different systems and six or seven different portals, every time you employ someone, you've got to train them on the six or seven different things. So if you have a single source... where You've got to maintain it as well. Yeah, right? yeah, it's a lot easier. Yeah, I mean, I saw obviously like Fiona's baffled face because I, I mean, Far Curious, it's, it's very simple and uh, like, and I know that. And yeah. obviously, I guess out of the top 100 uh, gambling businesses, probably 99 are using Curious anyway. But um, uh, I mean, I don't know if that's true, but that's just uh, that's just my guess. But um, yeah, I mean, from, obviously for you guys, it's very simple, right? You have Yeah, from, a, from an AML point of view, I, I like I get it when it comes to like um, KYC, ID and V, because, you, you know, you, you're going to have to go to a separate provider for you know the Nordics to what you're gonna have to do for Spain to what you're gonna have to do for you know every every there isn't you know and I know like where you you guys have come from you know they've got a lot of countries but it's not all countries yeah so you're gonna as an operator you've got to go to multiple suppliers unless you go through a true narrative yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, well done Fiona again yeah. however no, see John you should pay however, me for this yeah. <laughs> however from an AML point of view I think because you're you're your risk is around your AML stuff. You've got to get your AML stuff right. I think you'll, and what we see with the top operators is they don't go through data aggravators. For the AML PEP and sanction bit, they come direct to proprietary source yeah. because that bit's not that difficult. And actually, it, the algorithm changes when it goes through another supplier, and that's dangerous. So it's better, you know, you, if you look at the top 10 operators in the UK, None of them are going through a data aggravator. It's not. Yeah. It's not the trend for. It used to be, but it's not now. It's direct API. I think they're changing the way, and we're we're seeing that. I think they are changing the way purely because they're going into that many different markets. It's it, they're having to. It's they're having tough. to change the. You know, and as we mentioned on before, 
a lot of them are on the legacy platforms, which for any type of work to be done, you know, if a, an operator goes to the platform provider, like, yeah, no problems, we can do that. It's going to take uh, two years and it's going to cost you 100,000. These, you, you're seeing these people now are either building their uh, proprietary platform in-house or they're going to some of the, the newer, younger platform providers where they've got this uh, easy integrated system where they can pull in these different models and if they need to change it, they can change it very, very easily. Because, you know, if you look at the, the regulator, the regulator is saying that an operator needs to have a self-service system where if regulation changes, they need to be going and they need to be able to change it within a matter of minutes. Yeah, and, uh, and it, you know, when you say obviously it can change a matter of minutes, then you have like, um, you know, countries like Germany that decide, okay, uh, from the 1st of January yes. um, um, 2020, you have uh, two possibilities how you can identify your players. First one is a data check, which obviously you do with an example Shufa. So, so you do a simple Shufa check, which is obviously the comparison to an experience check. Um, and then the second one is you you do video identification. So, and what what most op operators don't understand, like the you know German regulators, they're always very they're always very trigger happy. So you know when they don't like something, they well um, you know we don't like that. Here's a ban or here's a fine or whatever. And and in terms of you know then you know the video identification, it is a again another you know. Uh, I'll, I would say integration that you have to do. How's it been taken in Germany with doing the video thing? Is is there a do they find a lot of drop off when people asking to do no, videos? No, no. I mean, so, I mean, in Germany, um, you know, as I said before, people like people interactions. So, so they like speaking to someone face to face. Um, and the video identification thing, which came in two thousand fourteen, mm -hmm. the first time, it was it was taken in a very good way because it would mean that uh, and. So, so let's say from from a German perspective, and I can I can describe. So, so let's say, right? So I want to if I want to open a betting account, you know, prior to that, is you have you have two options. Either you are on Shufa and they can find you there, or you're gonna have to go to a post office yeah. Yeah. and you're gonna have to identify your document there. So, so you can imagine if in a busy city you're gonna have to in in your lunch break. Uh, to go to a post office to, to identify yourself and you sat there for 45 minutes and the queue is not moving, it's not great. I and, suppose on the other end, if, if there's a horse race which is started in five minutes' time. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, correct. So, so, yeah. so, I mean, so, I mean, the thing is, and and obviously they, they made the video identification, um, so, so they took, obviously, the example from financial services, so you have mm -hmm. to do it um, from the Baffin regulations, which, so Baffin is the German FCA, yeah. uh, and the regulations, so the last ones came in in 2017. Um, and essentially that's what, Operator is going to have to do from from January on, and we only have I don't know um, seven. But it's the norm. Left. It'd be like if if they suddenly went yeah, yeah, no, to the UK, no, I mean, people, they'd be like, oh, yeah, 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 no, yeah. No, I mean in Germany, so, so, so I mean, like in Germany, it's an absolute norm. I mean, uh, one of our customers, N twenty six, is like one of the challenger banks. Obviously, loads and loads of uh, it you must know, be fantastic stuff. for reducing fraud, though. Oh yeah, no, it is. I mean, I mean, if you look at Germany and compare it to UK. Germany has a lot lower fraud than than the UK when it comes to documents, etc. Because, again, so so what we have to do in those calls is to make sure that we do it in a responsible way. So so we have to do certain questions where we kind of tackle social engineering. So uh, um, so an example, let's say when when someone does the video call, um, our agents will just ask them with who do you want to open an account. So people don't get scammed into just opening accounts for something so other people um, obviously get something from it. And we have 
hundreds of cases per month like that where people just want to open an account because they've seen a you know dodgy link on Google advertisement. That's another topic we but can you, talk with about. With the UK, we're scared of everything. Um, we? If anything comes through your email, you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm giving away my details to someone. Yeah, but you know, if you go on websites, you you, you might get into that. So so essentially, you know, what our agents are you know trained via the Baffin regulations as well, they make sure that you know we kind of see. If they're looking at another person in the room as well, you can obviously see that they're opening an account for someone else. So you're obviously kind of, you know, tackling, you know, these social engineering issues, which, by the way, is by far the biggest fraud uh, that we have right now. Around 60% of all fraud is social engineering. Mm -hmm. So and then you have, in, like, an example, impersonation. So like in, uh, that you can easily check with a selfie check. So, so that's about 18%. And everything else is just obviously, you know, the rest of it. So, you know, social engineering by far is the biggest issue right now. And that's obviously what you can tackle with video identification. I know it's obviously, um, you know, a different process and might not work in certain countries. But um, in the end of the day, with, with obviously the process that is in Germany, uh, it's, I would say, right now is a lot safer. Uh, I mean, I obviously don't know where, I, I mean, we as ID now know where the regulation is going uh, because we're obviously you not know, quite close to the regulators. But um, in the end of the day, it has to be a cultural fit, I think. Um, and uh, always goes back to that. But, but that's essentially where it is in Germany right now. And obviously in the financial services sector, and people are used to it because it's there since 2014. And obviously now with, with, you know, with gambling, I mean, obviously we're talking, you know, different volumes here. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what you have to say, we have, you know, real people there. And now with the gambling changes, we're like, oh yeah, we need, you know, we need more, we need more people, you know, the, you know, to serve essentially, you know, the big operators because, you know, they'll, in the end of the day, you know, they'll bring millions to us when, yeah. when it comes to the, you know, onboarding. But I guess it's a, it's obviously a huge cultural difference to the UK, um, and, uh, and that's obviously where cost, it is right now. It's also the cost, isn't it? It's like yeah, yeah no, absolutely. I think every Absol operator absolutely. would love to have all the systems they could possibly have in place with all yeah. the data. But at the mm. end of the day, yeah. then the cost to onboard that customer yeah. just becomes ridiculous, and it's kind of like so you know. And I think you know, I know that we do this, and I, I imagine you know we're constantly trying to look at ways in which we can bring down the cost yeah. of Oh, yeah, no, yes. Be like more constant, constantly, yeah. because we know the pressure is on and, you know, it, you, you have to still make a commercial decision on what you're doing. How many times a week does someone say to you, it needs to be cheap? Yeah, probably on an hourly basis. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, like one of the things that we, we launched last week was we launched a um, gambling risk intelligence database. So all of the intelligence that we've built over the last four or five years on... Um, high-end gamblers, we're now databased into a, into a one place, and so uh, and is that a simple check to, 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 to simple name name check? And if if we've if we've done a report on them, they're in there, and they operate and get it out instantly. So and we've done that so that we can pool our knowledge together and so that everyone and, and the more we do the more knowledge we'll pull but yeah. it's so that operators can get instant access but also at a reduced cost because we've done that work we can push it back out to operators at a much more cost effective thing mm. and it's you know it's been a year in us just getting some of the data into the system because it's a huge task but this is how we're trying to create like an ecosystem of enhanced due diligence around the higher end of the mm -hmm. market which is where the majority of the risk is um uh, and it's and it's a huge investment for us to do that but we're doing it because we think the market's going to need it we think it's you know we need to pool knowledge and make it easier for everybody
and it's it's easier for that to happen in a third party yeah. situation yeah, rather, rather than, than the operators yeah. trying to do that with other operators yeah. yeah you know to take that competitive element away from it and yeah. have the the providers doing yeah. some of that is yeah. is the way to go yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess this is obviously, you know, from that side, I guess we could we could probably talk another three hours just yeah. um, just on that because it's obviously such a, I guess for us, it's very interesting. I mean, if people watch this podcast that don't have to do anything with compliance or gambling, they probably think, uh, yeah, can you just wrap it up in five minutes? But uh, we could we could probably talk about this for another three hours. And 